to the Colby Daniels Podcast presented by Artisan Botanicals in Midwest City. Check out their line of natural medicine products, including Kratom, CBD, and Delta 8. If you're unfamiliar with these products or you have any questions whatsoever, don't hesitate to give Artisan Botanicals a call. 405-458-9699. They have a staff that is absolutely dedicated to helping you live a better life. I'm a customer there, and I can tell you they are looking out for your best interest. So don't hesitate to ask any questions. Also, we're saving you 15% when you order online. Just visit abotanicalcompany.com. Use the discount code COLBYSHOW for 15% off your online order once again at abotanicalcompany.com. All right, jumping straight into today's conversation, we're talking Thunder Basketball. Is SGA the future of the organization? And restructuring the entire NBA, how to fix the league on today's podcast with Eric G. Eric G, what's happening on this Tuesday morning? Yeah, I am. uh, Okay, how much of the Thunder season have you paid attention to this year? It's a fair question to ask you or anyone else. Okay, I, I'll say this. I don't believe at this point I've watched an entire Thunder game from start to finish. So that's the first part. I've not seen a complete 60 minutes uh, or no, what is it? Uh, 48 minutes. Sorry. 48. 48 minutes. Sorry. I'm, I'm still, see, I'm, I'm still in football mode. Uh, <laughs> and I, I would say that really before the last like two weeks, it was, I, I probably hadn't even tuned into consecutive games. So if that, that answers, that if that up, answers okay. your question, then there you go. You know, it, it, it does, and it, and it brings up, well, one, it, it brings up a couple of things. One, I wonder how many people in the state, in the city, are watching the team this year. One, because like, as we talked about before on the show, the only way you can watch them is if you have cable or direct TV. I think maybe you can watch them on AT&T Universe, but I'm not 100% certain. But if you have Dish or you stream, you're SOL. I- I- unless you want to try and go through some bootleg ways to get it, which always makes me a little bit nervous because I never want viruses on my computer or malware. <laughs> so I am, you know, very... <laughs> you know, yeah. Very yeah, no, I get that. hesitant to, 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 to go down that road. So, one, um, when you're talking about one company, just one company who will remain nameless, who is being extremely greedy, forcing fans to buy products they don't necessarily want, especially during a, a pandemic where people have lost their jobs or they've had their hours cut or their pay cut. And they're doing everything to cut the cord and they're streaming because it's cheaper. You've screwed them out of watching their favorite team. Okay. And it's not just the Thunder, but this is happening all over America. I mean, there are people in Milwaukee this year who probably aren't getting to see the Bucks. There are people this year um, in Sacramento who may not be watching the Kings. I'm trying to think of a smaller market San Antonio, Spurs, you know, etc. Orlando. Yeah. Um, yeah. And even though their teams may not be great, if you have an emotional attachment to that team, you're being flat out robbed of that experience. And there are places like Oklahoma City where you can't go to the games. Like for me, the only time I'm, and I have no problem admitting this, and there's a reason why we don't talk a lot of Thunder on my show this year, is because the only time I'm getting to see them is when they are live. When they are here at home, that's it. 
And it doesn't, like, I'll be the first to say, it does not give you a full feel of the team. Like, it has taken me all season long to kind of catch up to them and really have what I felt like was a solid opinion on what this team is just because I don't get the opportunity to watch them every single game because it's just, it's not available to me. So the the greed from this one company has basically given the middle finger to fans in the worst possible time. And I got to think that there's a lot of people in Oklahoma city who just kind of lost interest or Orlando who have lost interest and not just because their teams aren't good, but when you can't see them, you can't be emotionally attached. You just feel like, all right, um, it's there. I can listen on radio. And while Matt Pinto does a great play-by-play, you want to see things with your own eyes. You want to judge for yourself, and you're not given that opportunity. That That is wrong. It needs to be corrected. It's too bad the NBA can't do anything or won't do anything or the teams won't do anything about it. But somebody needs to slap this particular company in the <laughs> face and say, you need to offer us a way to get the games because not all of us need 150 channels or what's available on, on cable. Like I do sling. I don't watch every channel on sling, but it's cheaper. I got to watch four channels. Why do I need cable? Why do I need to pay for crap that I'm never going to watch? And, and people have finally, people have finally figured that out. Um, this company just needs to wake up with the times and, and quit being so greedy. I mean, and that's, you know, that's just kind of the way with a lot of corporations, though. They don't care. By the way, public service announcement, corporations do not care about you. <laughs> they don't. They may give you jobs, but they'll also be the first to fire you. The, and the higher you go up the food chain, the less caring there is and the more you become just numbers on paper. Just remember that when you go to the freaking polls, especially if you live in Texas there and decide to privatize your 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 gas and energy. Um, there it is, my political statement for the day. I think everyone knows where I lead. Second thing um, with the Thunder, now that I've got off that rant, Colby, I'm not 100% convinced that this team has three players for the future to build around. I think there are really? two. Okay. Yes, I, I think there are. Well... There's a caveat to this, and let me say this first. I get it. It's year one of a total rebuild. And guys like Teo Maladin are in their first year. Guys like Isaiah Roby are just getting an opportunity to play, and Darius Baisley is only in his second year as a pro, and the guy is just now 20. I'm not even sure Darius Baisley can legally drink. I can't remember. I think he's only 20 years old. I don't think the dude could walk into a bar and legally drink right now. So I am trying to trying to be kind of patient in this opinion and and say, okay, let's not get rid of them too soon. Because there's been a lot of guys come through this organization like Timothy Luwakabaro, Ish Smith, um, guys that have turned out that when they've gone to other teams, they have been really good contributors, really good role players that just for what, you know, uh, Devonis Sabonis, um, wasn't very good in Oklahoma City. I think we've seen now he's an all-star type player. Victor Oladipo was okay in Oklahoma City. Got a hell of a lot better in Indiana. Um, so I'm trying to be a little bit conservative in this opinion. But right now, if you had to ask me in the future, 
who would I keep from this team? There's only two players. I mean, if I there's nobody I wouldn't wheel and deal other than maybe Shea Gilgis Alexander and Lou Dort. And mainly Lou Dort, one, because he's cheap, and two, because the guy can play defense and he's just offensively more consistent than, than Andre Robertson. I am Darius Baisley, I'm not sure what's contributing to his his demise this year, other than not having Chris Paul around and not having a veteran guy to kind of guide him through his ups and downs. It figures out, it, it feels like he's trying to learn everything on his own. And you've got a rookie head coach, which doesn't help matters for him. And Shay is just now learning how to be the face of any organization. So he's got a lot to deal with. And they're close enough in the same age that, yeah, there's wisdom there because Shea's been in the NBA longer, but it's not like a 10-year, you know, 7-year, 10-year, 15-year veteran that can put his arm around you and talk about the struggles they went through. Here's what's going to help. Here's what you need to do in order to get away from the game or get back into the game. He doesn't have that guy. And I'm not sure how much of a figure Al Horford is in that locker room especially since it's pretty much well-known, as soon as the Thunder can get rid of him, they're going to. Like, I don't think Al Horford has any plans staying here. I mean, is George Hill even hanging out with the team? I can't even, when I'm at the games, I can't even tell if the dude is on the bench. But Is Trevor Ariza still just, officially on the Thunder roster? Yeah, he okay. is. He is. And you can, it's funny, you can, tra- you can trade Trevor Ariza. I want I want the Thunder to trade him because I just want to see who's willing to make that deal. <laughs> yeah, I like it. I like it. Who's willing to trade Trevor Reza either to just pay him off or think, hey, maybe because it's us, he'll want to come play. That dude ain't coming back this year. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think you're, you're... Yes. Go ahead. You no, know, no, no, go ahead. Finish what you had there. I, I was just going to say, going back to the original point, I, I completely agree with you. We got price gouged for our television bill, and so we got rid of uh, that setup, and we went a different route. And so we don't get the the Thunder broadcast on our current television subscription. So when I do watch the Thunder, it's by finding a stream on the internet somewhere. So I, I can say this safely. It's mostly a matter of convenience as far as when I decide I'm going to watch the Thunder or not. Because if, it, if it's just on when I'm flipping through the channels, it's probably right next to Rizzoli and Isles. And, and I'm going to pick the Thunder versus the Bucks instead of Rizzoli and Isles. Uh, <laughs> which is always on television, by the way. Every time I look at my guide, Rizzoli and Isles is on television. I, I've never seen a single second of the show. I don't even know what it's about. I just see it on the TV guide all the time. But... Uh, yeah, it's a matter of convenience for me because this team isn't good enough for me to to mark my calendar at, you know, December 26th at 7 o'clock to be in front of my television to watch them play the Chicago Bulls. They're just not. So it's not appointment viewing. So it becomes a matter of convenience. When it's convenient, if they're on, I'll stop on, you know, Fox Sports and watch the Thunder game. If I have to go look for it and pull up a stream... Not that it takes that much work, but it's just probably not going to happen unless they're playing an opponent that in some way makes me want to watch that team as well. So that's the first part of it. The second part, as far as the rebuild goes, for me, it's SGA, it's Dort, and it's Baisley. I think we've seen enough of Baisley's skill set. 
with the size combination and it, again as young as he is to understand that he's extremely green and there's still a lot there now will he ever find what's there I, I don't know the answer to that but I, I feel like there's still enough there that I believe he is a foundation piece for this team. You mentioned a couple guys that were in Oklahoma City for a very short time and got better when they left. Domas Sabonis was being used as a stretch four in Oklahoma City, right? Like every offensive possession yeah. the Thunder had yeah. when he was here, he was buried in the corner and they were just asking him to shoot corner threes. He became an NBA All-Star because the Pacers looked at his skill set and said, hey, you're not being used the right way. We're going to use you the right way. And now he's a double-double machine and potentially an, all, uh, you know, an all-star again this year. Victor Oladipo was Russell Westbrook light. Like, he was never going to be as good as he could be in Oklahoma City because Russell Westbrook was playing the role that Victor Oladipo needed to play. So, um, yeah, I think there's there's been a lot of examples of guys getting better when they left. I think some of them are circumstance situations, and I think some of them have been situations where I, I think we genuinely ask the question about the Thunder's development. But I think as far as this group right now, my expectations were so low that seeing where SGA is today is would be very, I think, hopeful for me as far as being a Thunder fan. And again, understanding how young and inexperienced Darius Baisley is, I mean, you have to remember, he didn't even play college basketball. SGA played a year at Kentucky before joining the Clippers and then getting tutored by Chris Paul. So Darius Baisley is, even though there may not be a massive age difference, is massively greener, if you will, than than SGA. It, it, it's frustrating to watch this team last night and see Shea have to carry the load for the entire starting lineup Yeah, and rely on an, an inconsistent bench. The other thing about this style, the other thing that was, that's bothersome about them right now is the style that they're playing. Um, they're, they're really trying to play like like the Golden State Warriors play. They, they want to play up-tempo. They want to shoot high-percentage threes. They want to stay away from um, low-percentage type twos, which are just beyond the arc and, and in the paint. And there's really not much of an inside presence. You'll take it if you can get it, but they're all right with their guys who play the five or the center hanging around on, on the perimeter. If you're going to play that style, you need some more consistent shooters. That's the one thing that they may not have with this bunch right now. Um, Tao Maladin shows signs of it, but not every night. Lou Dort is, he's only, Lou Dort, Lou Dort consistency has a ceiling to it because much like I, even though he's a better offensive player like Andre Robertson, the thing you have to remember is most night Lou Dort is going to be on your opponent's best player. So he is going to get his butt worn out sometimes, and you're just not going to have near as much to give on the offensive end because you're working so hard defensively to guard a guy like James Harden, to guard freaking LeBron James. I mean, seriously, how, how, how do you even remotely have a good night shooting when, when LeBron James is the, is the main guy that, that, that you're having to, to be up against? You're, you're, you're right. pretty much shot. So, so there needs to be, I mean, if you're looking for a position 
And in the dra- the draft is not the place to find this position because if you're smart, you don't draft on need. You draft on talent. And then just figure out where to put the talent once, once you get them. But with the assets that they have, either through free agency or through trade, your goal needs to be to get a more consistent small forward and then figure out what you want to do about the about about center. Like, how much of an inside presence do you want? The center can get into the paint. I mean, they can drive. They have guys, like, every one of them not, can, can go to the rim. There's not a single guy on that team I've watched that looks like they're afraid to go to the rim and afraid to get fouled. Um, we're in the past, <laughs> there were guys that were very, <laughs> very hesitant to do that because they weren't very good um, from the foul line. Even if you're having a bad night shooting free throws, this team will at least go to the rack. So, but you need to figure out, do you want a bigger, more physical presence, or do you want a guy that's a little bit more like Bam out of bio, who, while not as, you know, brawny in the chest is somebody like say um he's not built like demarcus cousins i mean demarcus demarcus cousins um and zion williams isn't a five i know or steven you know he's not built like zion williams or steven adams or demarcus cousins he's not that you know that truck he's a little bit longer um he's a little bit more athletic is that the type of center you're looking for or are you looking for a guy that is like Looks like Steven Adams can sit a pick like Steven Adams, but can shoot like Mike Muscala. There are things that that you need to figure out and discuss. And no one's Sam Presti, who's a hell of a lot smarter than I'm ever going to be. And even at his um, immature age compared to me, because the dude is younger than me, uh, he has probably forgotten more basketball than I'll ever know. So I'm sure these, these are the kind of, these are the kind of conversations they're having, but it's it's hard to see what the future is. It's hard to visualize it because in some respects, what we're seeing right now doesn't tell us what the Thunder are going to be three seasons, you know, in three seasons. That's, that's so, that may be the thing that caused me really to pull out my hair last night as I'm sitting at the games and started writing down. I'm like, all right, if Shea is all this, you know, if Shea's as good as everyone says he is, Right. Um, who did he? Who did Russell have versus who did Shea have? And you start writing down all the guys that that Russell had. Even and I did it just post Kevin Durant era. But you had Carmelo Anthony. You had Paul George. You had Jeremy Grant um, in the locker room. You had a seasoned veteran like Raymond Felton. You had guys that knew how to be pros, and Russ knew how to be a pro then. So, yeah, Shea can take over a game, but he's not going to get near the help that Russ did. So, I I just want to know what the future holds for this team now. Well, they have have so many assets that, yeah, it's, I mean, what they are this year, I I think, is they're just trying to get to the point that they can start using the assets to build, right? Like, I I just, again, that's, that's one reason there's no urgency to watch this team. Uh, and I think a lot of Thunder fans, or at least a lot of Thunder fans that I've talked to, um, without kind of saying it, I think there's just this this uh, perception that, you know, there's a good chance most of these guys aren't even going to be here next year. And this team's not making the playoffs. 
So I, I think there's somewhat of a feeling of like, why get involved? Um, you know, why get attached to this group when, you know, I think we're looking at this roster and we have no idea which guys are going to be here next year or even two years from now. I mean, it's, it's uh, not out of the question that in 2023, just two seasons from now that this thing is, is 100% different. I mean, I, I would, the main question no, I have, the main question I have going into this year was SGA. Is he going to be the guy you build around or is he just a nice piece to have? And to me, that's what this entire season is about. I, I do want to see growth from Darius Baisley and I want to see him continue to mature but this team is not going to do anything. We, we understand that from the get-go. So I think your goal is to identify whether or not SGA is an all-star caliber franchise centerpiece. And if he's not, then, you know, you've got to start looking for that guy in the draft. And I would pose this question to you right now. If, if today the Thunder had the first pick, is SGA at a point where you would say, you know what, I think I'm good. I don't need to draft Cade Cunningham. We like our guy. Or, or are you taking Cade Cunningham? No. I'm taking Cade Cunningham. Okay, there you go then. I think that I'm, answers the, the question I'm, about I'm whether... Taking, and, and it's not even... And that's not even so much of a question about SGA, but yeah, I'm taking Cade Cunningham. Because here's the thing I know about SGA. He is... He's, him and Russ are very similar in the fact that they're positionless, and, and I think SGA is actually even more positionless than Russ is. None of us, okay, we could put Russ at the two. You and I, if we were playing, if you and I were playing and you had a Chris Paul on the same team with Russ, we'd be okay with Russ playing the two. We'd never feel comfortable with him playing the three. And even with his rebounding set, he's too short, too small to play the four. Stocky as hell, athletic as hell, but there are guys that are just going to get the better of it night in, night out if you put him down on the block. So you look at Shea. Shea is a good enough, pure enough shooter where you bring in a guy like Cade Cunningham, you can go back to the configuration that you had last year where Cade Cunningham's playing your point, Lou Dort's your athletic, defensive-minded two-guard, and then Shays your three. And then Darius Baisley, I think what we see from Darius, but the one thing I was curious about Baisley is how positionless could he be? Um, the guy can't handle the ball. Yeah. The guy really can. He, he, he can bring it up the court. He can play that point forward spot for you really well. Um, he can pass. His vision probably needs to get a little bit better. There has been a little bit of hesitation in his shot this year. I'd like to see him get rid of that. That being said, he's probably not a pure enough shooter where I want him playing three. If I can avoid it, I want to keep him at four. I, I want him there to grab rebounds. I want him there to start fast breaks. Um, if he's at the top of the key and can get a long rebound, I am good with him bringing the ball up the court. I don't know that I can't, I don't know that I want him. I don't know that I want to him to ever be my number one option in, in running the offense. I want to pass to him when, when everybody else is concentrating on someone else. So you do that and then you find your five. 
And, and whatever that five is, like we said, we don't know what the what the Thunder's vision is for the five. But yeah, I would definitely take Kate Cunningham and go put Shea. Go put Shea at the three and kind of play small ball. Yeah. At that point, so I guess your five would look would look like not necessarily saying it is the guy would look more like a Mike Muscala type um, or a Bam Adebayo type than it would a Steve Adams. I think Shea's having a, a pretty terrific season, and you know, I've I kind of yesterday I talked about whether or not I thought he was an All Star, and I've had several people ask me over the last week whether I think he's an All Star. Uh, the answer to that is no. I don't think he's an All Star at this point. I think it's maybe closer than is it, I. Is it only because he's in the West? If he's in the East, is he an All Star? I don't even know if he's an All Star in the East, but I, I'll say this: my initial thought was no. I, I think when you break it down, it's a little bit closer than maybe I initially. Gave, gave it credit for, but the bottom line is they're a really bad team, and I think you can look at a bunch of bad teams and find guys that have similar numbers to Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Yeah, there, there are. Um, we have an inflated sense, we have an inflated sense, an inflated sense of what Shea Gilgis-Alexander is because he is the he is, he has put the thunder on his shoulders. He carries them night in, night out. Right. We see his athletic ability on display. We see him have 25 points by the end of the third quarter last night. We, we know how, how good he is, but okay. So if you're going to go guards in the Western conference, who are you leaving off to put Shea to put Shea in, in the all-star game? I don't. I, I'm not putting him in. I, I. I think for the West. I mean, it depends on how many guards you want to go with. But I mean, obviously, Steph and Luca are the starters, and then you have Damian Lillard, who's a guarantee for one of the spots. Uh, if we're talking about Damian, five, Dame is a start. No, no. Dame is a Dame is a starter. Well, he should be, but Dame they they named is, the starters, and Steph and Luca were the two starters. Yeah, I know. I think I th- I, I agree with you. I think Damian Lillard right now is the best guard in the NBA. So um, I would put Dame number one, but he didn't make the starters. It's Steph and Luca. So Dame is the next guy. And then if you're going to go five guards, I think your next two are Donovan Mitchell, and then you could go either Chris Paul or Devin Booker, probably one of the two sons. Probably, yep. I, I think I would probably go Devin Booker, but hey, what about John Moran? I don't. I see. I think I, I would probably lean towards Shea a little bit over John ja Morant at this point. Now, that's that's not to say that I think that eventually. Like I'm a, I'm a John ja Morant fan. I, I think that he is going to be one of those perennial all stars at some point in his career. I just don't think he's there yet. I think we see the ability and the explosiveness and the exciting plays that he makes. I don't think he's all star caliber today. So. If you ask me which one I would rather have, my answer is Ja Morant, but I don't think he is today having the, the same season that SGA is. I would I would take SGA over Morant today. Okay, John Wall. Ooh, John Wall's interesting. Um, you know, the, the one thing about Shea to me that really, I think, separates him is the fact that he's, he's playing so efficiently, right? Like, he's averaging, what, 22, 5, and 6, or right in that neighborhood. But he's shooting fifty percent from the field and forty percent from three. Yeah, there's just so many good guards in the West. I mean, heck, yeah. there, there are three really good guards on the Houston Rockets alone. Not saying they're all all stars, but when Oladipo's healthy, Eric Gordon and John Wall. I mean, yeah. I mean, we're talking about leaving those guys out of the All Star game. I mean, 
Chris Paul, Devin Booker. Um, well, I mean, all right. So, yeah, Chris Paul, Devin Booker, Donovan Mitchell, Damian Lillard, Steph Curry. And those are just off the top of your head. I mean, I don't know that Dennis Schroeder or Contavious Caldwell-Pope are necessarily all-stars, but they're really good players. The West is just, it's really loaded at that position. Yeah. Really loaded. And We didn't even mention well, De'Aaron Fox, mention, who's in the conversation. Or C.J. McCollum. You didn't mention C.J. McCollum. Yeah, C.J.'s <laughs> only played like 15 games or something like that. That's That's his issue. But he's averaging like, I mean, in those 15 games, I think he's averaging like 26 points a game. Yeah, so I don't know who you, I don't know who you leave off on the West to put Shea in there. Exactly. That's, that's yeah, there's my just, problem. There's not a, there's not a spot. It's, it's, uh, and, uh, you know, I think we've seen this for, I mean, really as long as I can remember at least. Um, it's, it's just tough to get an all-star spot when you're the best player on a team that's not in the playoffs. Like you have to be exceptional as the best player on a bad team to get an all-star spot. You, you got, okay, what you have to, essentially what you said is you have to be Bradley Beal. Yes, you have to be leading the NBA in scoring, the, yeah. Yeah, you, you, you've got to be Bradley Beal, whose team, I, I think it's kind of remarkable that the Wizards have won 11 games this year, but that, that, that's who you have to be. I mean, or you have to be Zion Williamson, who is going to get a spot despite, the Pelicans being four games under 500, which I mean, if there's, if there's two teams in the NBA, I I'm sitting here looking at the standings right now and all right, jazz being the the team with, with the, with the best record, it's not entirely surprising. We knew they were going to be good. Maybe they're a little bit overachieving and ultimately do any of us think that once the playoffs get around that the Lakers win, they have a full complement of players, aren't just going to run rough shots through the West and only be challenged by the Clippers. Okay, no, we all think that. But the Mavericks and the Pels are two teams I thought, like at this point in the season, would be at worst where Denver and San Antonio are right now. And Denver, oh, Phoenix is a bit surprising. I thought they would challenge for a playoff spot, but I thought Denver would be a little bit more fully entrenched at this moment, but you've got to chalk it up to the fact that one, these guys haven't had a whole lot of time off, which may, which says a hell of a lot about Chris Paul. Okay. For him to just go fit so seamlessly into Denver and raise the level, the level of play in that organization. Truly. He's one of the most underappreciated players in the history of the NBA. We should have known that last year watching him do what he did with the Thunder. If we didn't know it last year, we know it this year with what he's doing to the Phoenix Suns. And you can fully blame what happened with the Clippers and what happened with the Rockets on Blake Griffin and James Harden. So we we know that. But the Mavericks and the Pels are two teams that should be a hell of a lot better than what they are right now. That that surprised me. Both those teams that have been utter utter disappointments this year. And in the second half of the season, of the two – I'd say New Orleans actually has a higher ceiling than Dallas does at this point. Dallas just, when you watch them play, something's off. Something just doesn't look right. And if Rick Carlisle can't figure it out, (laughs) God help you. Because Rick Rick Carlisle can coach 
circles around anybody in the NBA. And don't give me Popovich, all right? Popovich, I'm not saying that he's not a good coach. Popovich has never had the garbage rosters that Carlisle has had in Dallas. And he just somehow has always found a way to make it work and get his players, even when it's a crummy roster, to play at a higher level than maybe what they should. This is the one year where you've looked at a Rick Carlisle coach team and you really can't make any sort of logical sense as to why they are not performing better, why they're not only not performing up to their capability, but why they're not performing better than their capability. Because that's the Rick Carlisle calling card. Well, we saw just, basically Luca alone last year. I mean, kind of going to tear in the playoffs, right? It, it just kind of felt like it was Luca, yeah. like leading the way, and everybody else was just on his coattails. And uh, I think, for me at least, the assumption going into this year was even if they got nothing from anyone else, Luca was going to be good enough to put them in that position. And while he's been fantastic, uh, I, I think, yeah, that team's just it's it's weirdly built. Uh, and I just I saw a tweet yeah. this morning that they're shopping Kristaps Porzingis now. Oh, now that's interesting. I, you know, Chris Stotts is actually, I mean, he hasn't played horrible this year. He, well, but he, I, his problem is he—he's never he's never healthy enough for you to feel like you're getting everything you possibly can out of. Right. But when he, but when he is healthy and he is playing, there are a few better in the, in, in the NBA than him. I mean, that can just get hot. Um, get hot from three and, and, and be, I mean, God, he's a pain in the, he's a pain in the ass, the guard when he's healthy, because he's got, he's got that range. He's got that length. Um, he can set a pick. He can, I mean, he's really good in the pick and roll. Um, he's even better in the pick and pop situations. And when he goes to the rim, you're, you're kind of in, in a situation where it's like, well, crap. You know, what do I do? Well, unless you're Anthony Davis, and most people aren't, you're, you're going to be stuck putting him at the free throw line. So that, it, it's somewhat surprising in the fact that when he's good, he's really good, but is he is he going to be healthy enough for you to feel like this uh, this all works? I mean, it is. I mean, looking at it now, it is it is a, a weird roster, and I think probably the guy they – they regret losing at Seth Curry. Seth Curry gave him an awful lot in the last in the last season. I would have figured out a way to keep him if I was if I was Dallas. But yeah, I'm I mean, not making those gives, decisions. Gives Luke a Mark. little more space to operate, but uh, yeah, yeah. But anyway, back to yeah the the All Star conversation. I just I don't think there's a spot for Shea, but I think he's having a pretty good season. Um, and you know, I, going back to the original conversation. For me, once again, I think as we watch this season kind of hit the second half and continue to watch Shea um, lead the way and kind of be the, you know, the guy without Chris Paul, because that's, you know, I wanted to see everything that Chris Paul kind of taught him, like how he was going to use that when the ball was in his hands. And I, that to me is just, that's, that's the storyline with Oklahoma City. It's, it's the only one. Yeah, it is. Well, that and how he leads in the locker room, and he's certainly, at least from a personality type, way more Chris Paul than Russ. Um, and that's yeah. not to say that Shea isn't isn't a fierce competitor. He is. Um, he is intense. But 
he's way more laid back than Russell Westbrook is. I mean, Russell Westbrook, I mean, when you saw him smile, it was like, oh, so he can't, so he, so he is capable of, of being happy. I mean, Russ was just chip on his shoulders, sheer determination. Um, Russ is a guy that wanted to beat you one-on-one, and he was the guy that just kind of demanded everyone act a certain way, everyone focus a certain way. This is what the locker room is going to be like when I'm in charge. Shay tends to kind of let everybody kind of go at their at their own pace. You don't have that. You don't have the pressure with Shay in the locker room. You want to be good for Shay, but you don't feel like Shay is going to admonish you when you screw up. As long as you're going a hundred percent when you do it, like he may put his arm around you and say, "Good effort. Do this next time." Where I think even if you were going 100%, you screwed up with, with Russ, Russ is going to blast you because he demanded he demanded perfection. There, there was no margin for error with Russ. Shea's probably way more forgiving with that, which makes it an easier locker room to deal with. But as he gets older, he is going to need to take some of what Russ had and apply it. If you're going to succeed at a championship level, look, not everybody can be Kobe Bryant, Russell Westbrook, Michael Jordan. Not everyone can operate like a shark 24-7, but you better have a little bit of that in you if you want to win championships and be a true leader of a team. Yeah, yeah. Agreed, agreed. Um, I remember right as we were wrapping up last week, I wanted to ask you a question about the NBA, and, and we were out of time, so I told you I would carry that over to this week. So, this kind of ties into what we're talking about, I think, with the overall interest of the Thunder, for example, this season, so many new pieces, uh, this idea that, you know, we, we don't know who's going to stay long-term, who's not going to stay long-term. And look, I think that's an NBA problem in general. When you uh, People love the NBA offseason, and they love it because there's so much movement, there's so much player mobility that the NBA offseason is exciting, and you never know what turn it's going to take. And the NBA landscape, it feels like, changes drastically every offseason. Um, I, I think that's both good for the game and bad for the game. It's made it a 12-month-a-year sport. At the same time, I think it gives fans of teams a little bit of, of uh, I don't know, like there, there's a fear factor, I think, of, you know, losing your guys. And, and there's just not, you know, we grew up with, you know, guys like Derek Jeter being a Yankee, right? Like, it just it, there was never this idea that Derek Jeter was ever going to be anything but a Yankee. L- Larry Bird was always Larry, going to be right, a Celtic. Right. Magic was always going to be a Laker. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, in today's NBA, I would say this in general in sports, but especially in the NBA, there's none of that. I, I don't think there's a guy in the NBA right now that I would just guarantee is is only going to play for one organization his entire career. It's just it's it seems to be pretty unreasonable given the state of the current NBA. So I heard this idea thrown out maybe maybe like two years ago, uh, and at the time I kind of scoffed at it and thought it was a little bit outlandish. But I think the the further uh, we go down this, you know, everybody changing teams every year and the landscape of the NBA changing every year, I get a little bit more excited about what this would look like if it were to happen. So the idea is every single year you redraft the entire NBA. Ooh. 
So you just like throw everybody into a pot and re and like everybody's a free agent after. Well, it wouldn't be the worst team because it would have to be some sort of lottery system. Because interesting, yeah, because you don't do the worst team because you know it's a fresh reset for everybody after the year's over. And well, it guarantees it guarantees competitive balance. It guarantees that every team in the NBA is going to have, obviously, one of the the best thirty players in the league. Um, I, I I don't know. I I think it's it's really interesting. And like I said, when I initially heard the idea, I was like, "This is about as stupid as you can get." And <laughs> no, this is genius. I know. The more this I think about genius. it, and the more we see guys just switching teams every year, and guys demanding out of long term contracts. It makes sense. And look, I, I, here's the other thing. If you if you want to weight how much guys make by where they're drafted, like the first pick in the draft is going to make $45 million this year. The second pick in the draft is going to make 44.5, And you just do it, you know, you, you get paid basically by where you get drafted. Basically, everybody is on a contract year every year. There is motivation to be your very best every single season for every player in the NBA. Well, okay, okay. Now, to be honest, in this NBA, there's motivation to be the second best because we always know LeBron is going to be top <laughs> player no matter what. Yeah, <laughs> well, so LeBron would be the first one that would be all for this, unless there were just places he didn't want to live. I mean, Le- Le- LeBron, LeBron. Here's what LeBron would think of that. Oh crap, man! It's just, like, like I really got to live in Orlando? Like, like really for a year? That no. I think owners would love this, um, depending on how you did the contracts. Now, the one thing I would change about this idea, because I love it, actually love this idea. The thing I would change about it is instead of like guaranteeing like LeBron getting $45 million because he's the number one overall pick, if you're the owner and everybody's on a contract, you're looking to really save you some money because this is what the owners are into. You, there's a base. There's a like set a max base that everyone can get. Like the max base for the number one pick is like twenty million, and then make everything after that all incentive based. Because owners would love that because there's a chance that there's a very good chance that a lot of these guys aren't going to meet all of their incentives, and the ones that do, you probably don't mind paying because they brought you a lot of gate. They sold a lot of jerseys. It yeah. was worth it. You made a lot of money off them. So that would be the only thing I would change. I find that fascinating. I think that is, I'd be all for that. I think it would make the NBA even that much more entertaining. I mean, think about it. It's a year-round sport, but if you're doing a redraft, and we all get you know excited about free agency, and when guys leave teams, which makes, you know, keeps the NBA... The, out of the professional sports, the NBA is the most fun to talk about because of the guys changing teams. Right. Um, and this would prevent, if you were doing it as a draft, the thing it would prevent are the super teams, which drives fans nuts unless you're in a big market. Because right now, the way things are, only the big market fans have any hope. Because if you're, if you're the Clippers or you're, the Celtics or the, well, okay, let's put a question mark by the Nets. We know that they should be, but they're not the Nets. <laughs> we'll put the Nets in front of the Nets. 
all you have to do, I mean, if your team is not very good, all you have to really do is wait a few years. Because you have... You wait a year. You wait a year. Yeah. And why that now, the team that really hasn't benefited from this, the organization that hasn't, and this is shocking, shocking to me, the Bulls. Nobody has teamed up to go play with the Bulls yet. And I don't know if that has to do with Michael Jordan and the just the shadow he casts. And it's like, okay, no matter what we do, we're just going to have to hear we weren't as good as Jordan. Because if you're in Chicago, New York, Los Angeles, San Francisco, just the, the marketing alone, one, in those cities, and two, outside. Because when you put on those jerseys, they tend to sell more. People get more excited. Usually you're in a big market. It's just wait a year. Wait a, wait a couple of years. Somebody's going to want to come and, and take us and put us on their shoulder. You're screwed if you're in a smaller market because inevitably you know your guys are going to leave. But what's interesting, Colby, about, about the, the thing that you brought up is talking to Sam Presti a few years ago. And I can't remember if it was him and I one-on-one or I, I just kind of butted into a conversation that John Hamm was having. I mean, I'm really good at that. Um, he said the whole idea of the way they set up the collective bargaining agreement, um, I think it's not this current time, but the time before that, and letting guys get out of their contract sooner, is that the owners had talked and the thought was, we'll get to share everybody. Okay, we'll design the contracts this way. We'll let guys out of their contracts sooner. There'll be more movement. So everybody will have a chance to get these good players. Well, sounded all great, you know, when you're putting it down on paper, but the owners weren't smart enough to realize that guys went, well, hey, we kind of control everything. We can, we can just team up. We can take control of this. They're going to make the contract short. They're going to let us out earlier. Then fine. We'll play GM for them. That's the one thing they, they didn't figure. They didn't figure into this. Um, the other thing the owners aren't smart enough to, to deal with is the whole legacy thing where fans and media will dog a player until they win a championship. So in order for James Harden to get his legacy submitted, he's got to <laughs> win a ring. Yeah. How do you do that? Well, you force the owner's hand to send you to Brooklyn. And the thing about NBA owners, for as progressive as the league is, for as, for as forward-thinking as the league is, owners haven't figured out a way to tap into the mind of the players and figure it out what the players really want and figure out a way to entice the players to – Stick around, um, and I don't know that I don't know that you can do that. I don't know that anybody wants to be Carl Malone, um, where you play in one team your entire career, but you may never win a championship. And there's always that but. There's always that but after we can talk about Carl Malone or John Stockton. I don't think players want that. They want to they want to be known as guys that contribute to championships. Is essentially what they want, and they want the marketing that goes along with it. So, uh, I mean, the only player that, that seems to not be that way is Russell. I don't think Russell ever cares. If he, I don't think I don't think Russell cares if he wins a ring. Um, I think he cares about being known as one of the best. And if they're putting the butt after it, he doesn't care. 
So that's, that's the thing the owners have to overcome. And maybe the way to do it is do this idea where you just draft everyone. So you've just kind of taken that away from them. I, I love this idea. I'm, I'm all for it. Think I, about how many I'm new stars it would create every year as well. I mean, because oh, yeah. like, look at the, look at the best teams in the league, right? Like, Brooklyn, the Lakers, the Clippers. I mean, those three teams collectively have seven of the top, like, 10 to 12 players in the NBA. Right? Yeah. Well, and think about this. I mean, Jersey uh, apparel companies would love it. People are going to have to buy new jerseys. Absolutely. All the time now. You're telling me if you're a Thunder fan and one year you have, I, I mean, Kawhi Leonard, for example, that uh, you're not going to buy a Kawhi Leonard jersey, even though you know it's only for a year, and then the next year maybe you have Devin Booker. Like, it would be amazing. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, apparel companies would love it. Uh, teams would love it. I mean, you're gonna you're gonna sell more stuff. You're now your ticket sales may fluctuate from year to year. And the good thing is, is if they do, like, say, Milwaukee one year gets a bevy of great players and they challenge for the championship, and then the next year they fall out of the playoffs and you see a steady drop in tickets, you know what to chalk it up to. You know, there's no there's no mystery. It's like, okay, we were really good this year. We were terrible this year. This is why yeah. our ticket sales went went up and down. But the only draw, the only drawback to it and the only thing that – fans would be opposed to in this is those fans that like to get it to, to attach themselves to players and root for guys and say that there are guys. Those would be the only fans that would object to this, but I'd be all for but it. Oh yeah. Even with Every those, year those fans right now are having a, yeah, those fans right now though, aren't able to do that. I mean, like we just talked about, Look at the biggest stars in the NBA. And, you know, obviously there are guys like Giannis that want to make their big contracts. But, I mean, who, who's to say Giannis isn't doing the exact same thing that Anthony Davis and James Harden and everybody else have done a, a couple years down the road when he's, you know, made the money that's going to set him up for his entire life? Right now, the NBA structure is to allow young stars to stay in place, to get paid. But when they really hit their peak... That's when they've made all their money, and then at that point, they're not financially motivated. They're motivated to go find the best situation and team up with the best players. So, like, yeah, I, I don't know, man. It's it's. Uh, I I think that's kind of a fleeting thought anyway. That you want to be attached to your guy and that he's going to be there for a long time. Those are just such rare circumstances. I, I think in today's NBA that. That's why I've gotten. I, I, initially, I'm with you, and and initially that was my thought too. But we're not getting that now. We've seen LeBron James is argued as potentially the greatest player of all time. We've seen him change teams four times. He's he's worn three different jerseys. Yeah, who lays who, who lays who lays claim to LeBron? What city? Right, right. Lays claim to LeBron. Yeah, Durant, I mean, Durant's on his Cleveland third team. Harden's on his third team. Yeah. Uh, Kyrie's on his third team. Kawhi's on his third team. Westbrook's on his. Westbrook's, Westbrook's on his third on his team. Third. Yeah. Paul George is on his third team. Jimmy Butler's on, had been on like four. Um, yeah, I mean, all the, you know, all the stars of the NBA, that's, that's what they do. They, they, they move, they have mobility. I'd say do it. I'd be, I'd be all for it because I mean, on one hand, it it used to be a situation, Colby, and, and, and I changed my mind on this. I used to think dynasties were great for sports. 
um, simply because you had a team that everybody could chase. That eventually, you know, at first when they won a championship, you liked them. The second year, maybe even the third, you were like, oh, yeah, we're witnessing great. And then it became the whole idea of, okay, who can take them down? Yeah. You know, everybody's chasing this team. Who can take them down? And when that team was on TV, you had to watch them. Like, um, not a recent vintage, but a past vintage, like the, you know, the Yankees. We're talking about when DiMaggio and Mantle and, and those guys played. There was a focus there. Um, the Steelers, um, you know, I, I know the Patriots that year that they went undefeated were great for the NFL because it was the chase and that they were, I mean, you could not have, you had to have a strong opinion on them one way or another. I thought that was great. I'm not so sure that that's really good now because we don't have classic dynasties in a sense because of all the moving around. I mean, what did we get out of Durant and the Warriors? Was that? Three years? Three. Four yeah. years? Three-year run. Yeah, we had three years. We, we had a three-year run. That was it. And now he's on to the Brooklyn Nets. So it's not, I mean, this isn't like watching the Dallas Cowboys of the 90s or the 70s anymore. Yeah. Where it's, hey, it's those guys, or hey, it's those guys. It's LeBron was in Miami know, for, what, four years? Yeah. And then back to four, Cleveland. Two championships. Yeah. yeah. There's just not and the yeah, there's not the long there's not the long term uh you know let's let's try and build a winner. I mean, I, things change so much from season to season that I mean, having this plan to put together a winner and trying trying to follow that plan, like that plan can can be completely pulled out from underneath you a year later because of again, just the drastic change in landscape in the NBA. I will be lucky this Lakers team could is capable of winning three in a row, right? Yeah, I would, yeah, I would say after that. that. Okay, after that three, does anybody expect them like LeBron to stay? I mean, well, at some point, LeBron, LeBron's got to consider retiring. Um, no matter what, he's investing in his body. But yeah, it just everything feels so fleeting now. Right? There's not just that rock solid. I mean, it, it, you're lucky if you get three out of a team, a three-year run out of a team, championship or no, you're good. Yeah. I mean, that, 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 that's, a long, that's a long run now. The, the days of teams staying together for seven to ten years, that's just done. Or even key components staying together. I, I think the last we've seen of it, I mean, kind of the last men standing are the, are the big three in, in Golden State, aren't they? Between yep. Steph, Clay, and, and Draymond, yep, that's it. They're, they're, they're the last of the kind. They they all are, are the few that got into a place that they like. Um, they all seem to get along well enough, and that's it. I mean those those days are gone. Everything else is just so transient right now that I, anything you can do to get to give every fan base hope is better for the sport. Yeah. Way better for the sport. There's, there. you know, I, I feel like the people that would argue this would th- want to throw out, like, the Damian Lillard situation or maybe the Giannis situation. But once again, I, I don't like to operate on the exceptions. I want to operate on the rule. And the rule says that the majority of guys are going to change teams multiple times, and most of the NBA superstars are not going to spend their entire career 
with one team. So this idea that you just, you want, lo- I want loyalty in sports. I, I get that everybody wants that, but reality is there is no loyalty in sports and especially in the NBA. No. There's, there's very little like, hey, let's commit to each other long-term because, you know, the, the players aren't idiots. I mean, they see how the landscape drastically changes every year. And, you know, I think there are some people that criticize these guys for signing long-term contracts. Well, here's the thing. They probably signed that contract with the idea that the team and the NBA was was headed in one direction. And again, a year later, the team may be going in a, the complete opposite direction and the NBA is going in the complete opposite direction. Again, because the landscape drastically changes every year. Well, and for those that want to point out to Damian Lillard, because we for, I forgot to mention him and CJ McCollum, who've been a you know pretty good duo um, for the last few years. You know, it doesn't take much anymore for superstars to get sideways with management. It can happen really fast. So now. while everything, yeah, so while everything seems hunky dory in Port Portland right now, great. A year from now, Damian Lillard may be pissed off at that organization. So might C.J. McCollum. And despite having a long-term contract, just walk into the GM's office and say, trade me. Right. Don't like the direction you're going. Tired of, you know, something. It doesn't take much for to go wrong. And as we've seen, organizations, if they get a malcontent superstar, they're not going to keep them around. They will deal them. It happened to Jimmy Butler. It happened to Paul George. Um, it's happening to Deshaun Watson in, in, in the NFL right now, or it will happen with Deshaun Watson. So, yeah, it seems all good. I mean, Donovan Mitchell tomorrow could could be sick and tired of playing in Salt Lake City. If you're a Utah Jazz fan, do not get used to Donovan Mitchell staying in Salt Lake City. If you're a Phoenix Suns fan, there's no way you can bank on Devin Booker staying there right. his entire career. It's right. just not going to happen anymore. The, yeah. the all, again, I say the only ones are those three in San Francisco. That's it. And if Lillard, I would be shocked if Lillard and McCollum stay together their entire career in Portland. Shocked. Yeah, I think at some point it's, they're, it's just, they're not going to, you know, unless they unless they win. I mean, at some point, I think they're yeah. gonna, they're going to fail in the postseason enough that they decide, hey, we've got to try something different, and and it's just inevitable. I mean. Uh, I, I just, yeah, I, I don't see it either. I, I'm with you. I think that at some point, one, if not both of those guys are going to play for a different team and, you know, only time will tell, but I, I just don't see where, um, you know, holding on to the rare circumstances where a guy stays in a city for a long time, uh, just makes a lot of sense. I mean, you know, I, I go back to the shows we did, um, when Russell Westbrook signed the long-term deal. And then when Paul George signed the long-term deal, and the thought was the Thunder are going to be set for five years with with two of the superstars in the NBA. And I mean, you know, it's it's what, three years later and it's a complete rebuild? Two years later? Yeah. Two years later. Two, you, what, yeah. What, yeah. Yeah, Paul, Paul George is tired of it. A year later. No, it was a year later. Yeah, two years later it's a rebuild. One year later, Paul, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Paul George is out. Yeah. He's just like, I said a long-term deal. Nah, I don't want to be here, dude. And, and here's the I other thing. You don't get crippled by bad contracts either. I mean, there are so many organizations, I think, that you, you have to give these guys max contracts, right? Like, it's if you're, a, if you're an Orlando Magic or an Oklahoma City Thunder or, I mean, I think there are a bunch of organizations in the NBA like this, 
if you ever get a guy like a Russell Westbrook, whether he is ultimately the guy that's going to lead you to a championship or not, you have to give him a max contract, right? Like it's just, you, yeah. you, you can't not do that. And then if he, if he falls off a year later, you're screwed. I mean, it, it, yeah. I think there are so you many teams in this. Yeah, you, you just, so many teams get handicapped by bad contracts as well in this NBA. Well, and think about, look at the situation the Thunder in. They not only gave Russ a max, they gave him a super max. The whole reason the Thunder to. have Al Horford. Yeah, yeah. And the, only, the only reason the Thunder have Al Horford right now is because of Russell Westbrook. Because, I mean, and, and, and that's the thing you've got to look back. You can, you, Russ had that super. Russ had that supermax. So in the NBA, because you've got to trade contract for contract, the Thunder have been stuck taking, they had to take on Chris Paul's salary. They had to get rid of him. And you get the, the Ricky Rubio deal. And then you, you get those bad contracts. And you have to deal those bad contracts for another one. You're looking at the Thunder get out of it now. And look, I mean, look how many trades they have made since they dealt Russell Westbrook to the Houston Rockets. And you're still without Horford. And what good, what good is Al Horford doing you this year? I, I, I'm deadly serious. I, I know he's been a decent player, but he's not doing your team any good. Um, even if he's imparting some veteran wisdom on your team, Shane kind of needs to be assuming that role himself. So that's where teams get stuck is just the NBA's rules, the bad contract for bad contract and, You've got the luxury tax and the repeater tax, which cost you money. That's the other thing that hurts is that you're in Oklahoma City. There's only so many years you can afford to – well, actually, for anybody, there's only so many years you can afford to get into that repeater tax, but particularly the small markets before you have to start kind of selling off pieces to get to get under, to get under the cap. That's <laughs> – yeah. I, I like the idea of redrafting. I think that's really the only way to solve what's going on in the NBA right now, or to at least give fans some hope that from year to year they're gonna ha- their team's gonna have an opportunity to compete. Because yeah. you love Shea now, but is anybody here convinced that when Shea gets really good, depending on where the funder are and where he is in his career and what's on his contract, that he's really gonna stick around? I mean Right. That's, you yeah, know, or, or maybe he's just a really good player on a, on a non-playoff team. Like that's the other thing yeah. in the NBA, you, you, you don't know. And sometimes you, you sign these guys to long-term contracts because they're playing well. And then, you, you know, you, the team never really takes a step forward because the guy's not that guy that's going to elevate the team to a playoff team. Although he may be good for five years, 10 years. Maybe he's a perennial, you know, 22-5-5 guy. Um, he might just not be the guy that's going to elevate the team to a, a playoff contender every year. Mm-mm. And, you know, at that point, you want to get rid of him. You don't want to be stuck with him. Um, this is, I, 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 like, I like your idea a whole hell of a lot better than, what, than what's going on in the NBA right now. <laughs> and fa- fans may... You know, you balk. It's one of those ideas when you're a fan, you first balk at an idea when you hear it, when it's something that, that feels like it's coming out of left field. And then even after it's explained, you still hate it. But once it's put into action, then all of a sudden it's like, okay, yeah, this can work. This, this can work doing things this way. 
Um, trying to think, you know, college football playoffs. Um, well, every fan wanted that. I don't think they, I don't think they were thrilled necessarily with a, a selection committee and only four teams at first, but now they've seen it. They're like, ah, this isn't bad. Yeah. Uh, we want more, but this isn't bad. Um, you know, the idea, I remember bringing forth the idea of relegation in college football and people thought it was the dumbest idea. And I'm like, okay. And now like five years later, or actually a lot longer than that, almost 10 years later, after I brought it up at Albuquerque, people were like, oh, now I see where you're getting at what you're getting at. It's like, yeah, thinking of what I'm putting down here. Yeah. Yeah. You're Boise State. You, you want to get out of the Mountain West Conference. Well, if there was relegation, Kansas would have your schedule right now. You'd be in the Big 12. <laughs> I like but, it. I like it. There's too many teams in, in college football now. I mean, anybody, yeah. that, anybody that we see this every year, there are like maybe, I mean, I, I don't know. I, 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 I'm probably being generous with this, but there are probably like 25 teams maybe every year that, that really have a chance to make a playoff. Yeah, I think you're being very generous. I would say it's probably closer to 12. Okay. And at this point, to win, to actually win the national championship, I really honestly believe there are only... Like five? (laughs) Five or six programs at the most. Yeah. That can get that can get it done. Alabama, Clemson, throw Oklahoma in there. Yes, you throw Oklahoma in there because Oklahoma has the wherewithal. Texas, you probably throw in there. Ohio State, and then I'd say USC. I mean that's that's it. My my my. Everybody who loves Miami loves the U. Can just kiss. Just the idea of them ever being what they were in the early 2000s and the 80s and the 90s goodbye. That's never going to happen again. Too much competition, too many schools from the SEC coming into Florida. Florida's finally laid its claim. I might say Georgia and Florida are on the fringe of that group. Oh, crap, LSU. I don't forget about LSU. Yeah, LSU. But, yeah, I mean, you're, you're stretching to get to two hands yeah. on teams that could actually win programs that could actually win the national championship right now. Yeah. There's what I would say six at the most. And I think <laughs> you take Texas out of the discussion at this point because they keep shooting themselves in the foot. So yeah, I mean, that's it. That's all you got. Yeah. Just give us time, Eric. We're going to, we're going to fix sports one, one at a time. Yeah. They just need to listen. People need to listen to us. Commissioners, <laughs> owners, Athletic directors, they need to come to us for the ideas. Quit relying on themselves. Because obviously, if they were any good at it, they would have done it by now. Amen, brother. Amen. All right, my friend. uh, We are out of time. Always appreciate you. And uh, we'll talk again next week. Thank you, sir. Good talking to you. Eric G. joining me on the Colby Daniels Podcast. That is it for this episode of the Colby Daniels Podcast presented by Artisan Botanicals in Midwest City. Check out their line of natural medicine products, including Kratom, CBD, and Delta 8. Right now, we're saving you 15% off your online order at abotanicalcompany.com. Use the discount code COLBYSHOW to save 15% off. Again, abotanicalcompany.com. They have a drive-thru in Midwest City, so you can order online, pick it up through the drive-thru. It's a very safe and efficient way to get what you need. Kratom, CBD, Delta 8, whatever it is, at abotanicalcompany.com. 
www.thegreatdeal.com. Everybody have a great day, stay safe, and I'll talk to you tomorrow. Okay.